0: Don't got to get caught up on the excitement of everyone's got to scale, scale, scale to their way to the top. And I have to own a zillion properties. Like over-leveraging is just not always the smartest way to go. It's risky, especially if you're older. I mean, I'm 38 years old. So for the 20 year olds that want to go do that, great. But if you're in your thirties and forties and you feel like you're going to be nearing retirement age or wanting to think about other alternative methods of passive income, so you don't have to work till you're 75 then you have to make safe bets safe investments and that's just one property at a time
1: welcome to the invest nest real estate investing show a community for real estate investors to learn network and grow be sure to join the InvestNest.com and start learning and earning today hello everyone and welcome to the invest nest real estate investing show thanks again for joining me this week i hope you all are having a good week so far uh, as always, we've got another awesome Invest guest joining us in just a minute. Casey Franchini is going to talk to us about her real estate investing journey, um, which includes traveling from California to where she currently resides in Memphis and invests in single family properties with her husband. Really great story. I think you guys are going to uh, really enjoy this interview. But before we start, I want to remind everybody listening to please hit the subscribe button. We release our podcasts every Wednesday morning and have a weekly guest on to tell us about their real estate investing journey and experience. So hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming podcasts. If you're enjoying the show so far, uh, go leave us a review and a rating wherever you listen, uh, preferably on Apple it really does help us out so if you're if you're liking the shows go leave us a review and rating help us get boosted up there so we can keep continuing to release these podcasts of course you can follow along on instagram facebook and twitter at the invest nest uh, we put out some content pretty regularly there so go join our community on our on our social platforms and of course go check out the investnest.com it's an online community for real estate investors where you can create your free profile and start networking with other members. And we've got a ton of great resources on the website. There are a lot of new features coming to the site very soon. So stay tuned for those announcements that will be coming soon. All right. And now let's get started with the interview. All right. And now it's time to welcome this week's Invest guest. We've got Casey Franchini joining us with brickbybrickwealth.com. Casey is based out of Memphis, Tennessee, I believe. Where? Her and her husband invest in single family rentals. Casey, welcome to the Invest Nest.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be on your show. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm glad that you're with us today. I've been looking forward to this interview for a while, so I'm glad to have you on. So how are things going in uh, Memphis these days? Life treating you guys good out there?
0: It is, life is good. With the whole coronavirus thing has really thrown our family for a little loop. I have three kids and a husband and a cat, and. My husband's been working from home for the past year and my last semester, or I guess last year for half the year, my two older kids didn't even go to school. So they are basically home for half the year. And then the other half the year, this semester, I sent them back to school in January, so that's been nice, but they were basically home an entire year. Last year they were either home, not going to school at all, or they were in virtual and my husband working from home, it's been crazy, but now we are taking the plunge and we are redoing our kitchen downstairs which has its pros and cons. I never thought I'd be the parent that feeds their kids cereal for dinner. When I laugh at my friends who do that, well, I judge them on the inside, but <laughs> cereal <laughs> for dinner. But just last night, my kids had cheese and crackers because our kitchen is torn apart, <laughs> but otherwise everything is good. And I am loving that it's going to, it's springtime, weather is nice. Happy to be back outside, I'm living in Memphis. We do get all the seasons. And I do look forward to springtime. When I used to live in California, like my whole life, there's one season there and it's summer year round. And I never understood spring cleaning and all of those things. And now I understand why there is such a thing called spring cleaning. Like I get that now. (laughs) But anyways, to your question, yes, life is great. I'm loving the extra time that I'm getting to spend with my family.
1: So life is- Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And I think in the last year, everybody's had to make some adjustments to life. You know like you said there you get to spend more time with your family i'm sure that's a pleasure at sometimes and maybe not as great at others but yeah, hey we, exactly. we uh-huh. do what we got there's nothing wrong with a little some crackers or cereal for dinner so nobody's judging over here well no. uh very good stuff and it's funny you said that about the seasons too i feel like we're here in the washington dc area just outside of it in the suburbs of maryland and we get the seasons over here as well i always thought and feel that by having the long cold dark winter it makes you appreciate that spring sunshine that much more so you kind of
0: totally
1: yeah you don't necessarily take it as for granted as much i guess but anyway i really love what you're doing with real estate investing i follow you on instagram i love what you guys are sharing and what you're sharing with your real estate investing journey and also what you're helping train and teach people and help them get started in real estate investing but before we get into too many of those details can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you're doing with real estate currently
0: Sure. So again, my name is Casey, about myself. I was born and raised in California, SoCal, moved to Memphis. This is our eighth year here. And I have three kids. Their ages are nine, seven, and three. And my girl's the oldest. And we came here and I did not, you know, the stay-at-home mom. So I didn't really have a job and all of that. And I was a real estate agent in California. So we came here. I knew that I wanted to invest in rental properties. It was too expensive in California to do that. And even back then, There wasn't really social media. I mean, I feel like Facebook was barely out. I think I had an account and that's when they wanted you to post how you were feeling on your status, how are you feeling? And you would put the emoji, I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling excited. That was the Facebook post. You would (laughs) talk about your feelings, social media and the internet really, and the connections and networking has grown so much in the past decade. It is ridiculous. But I can say that I never would have thought in a million years you could invest out of state when I lived in California. That was not even like a possibility. I mean, there I didn't even have a smartphone. They weren't made. I mean, I had a flip phone. And so I do Nokia I know exactly Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah.
0: I had a, like a Nokia phone back in the day. I was a little farther back. Oh yeah. New I New had a, I had
1: a Nextel. I had the two Yeah.
0: Ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you did not have the Nextel with the big <laughs> buttons on the side. Oh yeah,
1: I did. Oh yeah. That's the construction oh. contracting background yes, coming out of yep.
0: it. Yep, so, exactly. Oh, I feel so you. Oh, that's so funny.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, that's so, awesome. I love that. I love how confident you are, first of all. And not only that you're kind of sharing your journey, but you are, like I said before, helping others in the process with the process. But what brought you to real estate? How did you get from California to Memphis? What's your story? How did it all start? And how did you get into real estate investing?
0: We didn't move to Memphis for investing. We moved here because my husband got a good job offer. He was doing auto damage appraisal or something for Allstate which he's very smart. He has a marketing and business economics degree. I don't even remember how he even got that sort of job, but he was offered this position doing uh, marketing and this all this creative work, which he had no job experience in, but someone saw the potential. And so they moved us out here and gave him the job. And he's still at the same company eight years later doing amazingly. And so it was a dream job for him. So he moved me out here to what I used to call the armpit of America. That's what I used to call Memphis and America.
1: Now you that. call it home, right?
0: Now I call it home. Exactly. <laughs> so what got me started in real estate really was a really long time ago. Uh, my dad bought a fixer upper and we lived in it. He fixed it up the whole time we lived there. I mean, I couldn't sleep if I didn't hear a hammer banging in the night. Well, I hated the Home Depot trips, but I loved learning how to paint and hang drywall and all the things he made me help him with at the time, which I appreciate later. So I did that. always loved open houses had this affinity for wanting to see all the new builds and everything out in california because that's when the 2005 6 7 there was a lot of new builds going on and i just loved it then i got a real job and the hour and a half commute was absolutely killing me and i was crying on the way home because it was hard my boss was mean and i'm like this sucks i don't want to be driving an hour and a half each way to work every day like is this life really is this like is this what happens after you graduate? This sucks. I don't want to be doing this forever. And I'm in my twenties. So luckily, unfortunately, luckily the company was seized by the government <laughs> from some illegal activities that the owner was doing unbeknownst to all of us at work. So That's okay. I wasn't working there very long anyways. And so that company was gone. And I said, great, this is my opportunity. This is my chance to do something different because what I was doing before was not going to be a good path for me to live my life where they say. You love to work, not work to live, something like that. Maybe I said that backwards. So I wanted to enjoy my life. What can I do? That's fun. What do I really want in a life. And I said, well, I know I went to school and got a job and all that, but I still want a family. Like, I still want to get married. Don't want that wedding. I still want to have kids. Do I want to be doing this hour and a half commute back and forth with kids? What am I going to do with my kids? Now I'm thinking way for the future here at this point, am I going to have to put them in daycare until like seven o'clock at night? and then drop them off somewhere early in the morning because I have to leave at like 6 a.m. I said, there's got to be another way. So the first thing I thought of was, well, I know, I've always loved real estate and what about being a real estate agent? So I I can make my own hours. I could pick my kids up from school. I don't even have kids. I wasn't even married yet and I'm already thinking about this. I can pick my kids up from school and I can make my own hours. And so I did that. I got my real estate broker license and I went to work for a really good company But it was hard for me at that time selling to regular home buyers because I looked really young. I mean, I say this all the time, but I look young now and I really looked young then. So in Orange County, it's houses are expensive. So it's hard to sell a million dollar house when you look like you're 12. So I had some sales, but it it was a challenge. But I had my niche. I found it within real estate investors because they'll let anybody help them because a buyer's agent is free. So I was driving all around the country, about the country, all around the state, to the beach, to the desert, to downtown Los Angeles, deep inland empire. So those are some far drives, two hours with no traffic and stuff, one way to find deals for my real estate investors. And I just looked at them. I looked literally, first of all, I'm short, but I looked up to them in awe, like, whoa, how do these guys do this? How are they buying these $800,000 properties, all cash and flipping them? Now that weren't buying rentals, because that did still not make any sense back then. They were flipping. So I didn't understand the rental side of things, but I understood the flipping side. And I said, I wanna do this. My dad and I attempted to flip a property. Well, we bought one and we didn't get past the inspection period. There was something wrong with it. And I'm glad that we didn't because I had stated income then. And actually this is before I even got my license to try to flip a property. They approved me understated income for a $750,000 loan. And guess what my job was at the time? I was a cocktail waitress. Yes, I was a server. And they were going to give me a loan for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars.
1: Everybody was getting loans like that back then. That's what got. Yep. <laughs> got That's what happened. Why
0: we had the market crash. <laughs> right. So right. I, in the end, I'm glad that I did not go through with the property. That would have been a little much for us. The mortgage payment would have been pretty hefty to swing. But it's like oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do real estate. I don't want to just sell for other people. I don't want to just find good deals for investors. I want my own deals. Again, we had to flip phones. There's barely social media. So buying out of state was not a twinkle in my eye, like I hadn't even heard of it. So nothing happened. And we moved to Memphis and I saw Goldmine gold mine because all these houses out here, first thing I saw was you search by price. You go to realtor.com, you search lowest to highest, and you're like $5,000 for a house, $10,000 for a house. What? I'm going to be able to buy all the houses. So I thought, I was like, whoa, I'm going to be rich. But then I moved here. And you don't, (laughs) you don't see poverty like you do in some parts of Memphis. And it's sad and you go, okay, well, I changed my mind. I will pay the $60,000 for a better property because I don't want to buy a house with a tarp on the roof. I don't want to buy a house with, sure, I can fix my house, but the houses all around it all have tarps on the roofs or have trees that fell over on top of them four years ago and haven't gotten fixed. So it's just sad. And that's why in a lot of parts of middle America, there are some really, quote, good deals, but are they good deals? Or are they not good deals? So to me, the cheap properties are not good deals. They may be good flips or something for the right person, but that's not for me. So we started buying good rental properties in high C and B class neighborhoods. They cost a little more, but I don't spend any time I manage my properties and I don't talk to my tenants unless there's a big issue. They pay rent on time. And I, I'll, I did, they didn't start off that way. i I made my mistakes with tenant selection and things like that. I did. So I've learned from my mistakes and I pick good quality tenants now, which now with everything happening in our, you know, new economic climate is more important than ever to pick good tenants. But that's how we got started. I just yeah. loved real estate, got my license, moved out here and started buying single families. And that's what we do.
1: Awesome, I mean, that's a really cool story. So like, I think a lot of people can relate with early your early days when you're in that commute and you know you're not happy, you know this isn't what you wanna do in life. I think that relate back to a lot of us and that's why so many of us aspire for something more, or aspire for something better and everybody has their reasons for that like you were looking into the future for your kids and planning out daycare and everything which you know that kind (laughs) of seemed odd but for whatever reason we all have our reasons of why we do what we do and that sounds like was your driving force between making a shift and making a change and getting into real estate i like the fact that you pivoted once you got in there and you realized this is going to be a bit more of a challenge than i anticipated these are million dollar homes in the zip code i live in And i don't really have the experience or maybe appeal to many of the buyers to assist them with this transaction but you landed on and that eventually brought you to through again pivoting and finding what can work for you being a buyer's agent for investors and i like what you mentioned there about any investors will work with anybody because buyers agents are free so for our audience out there all of our nesters listening what she's referring to is that when somebody's selling a house they hire a real estate agent the seller pays the commission on the transaction now there's usually two real estate agents working with that transaction there's the one that the seller hired but then there's also whichever agent is representing the buyer and that's typically a separate agent and the two agents split the commission that's been paid by the seller so that's what casey meant when she said buyers agents are free for anyone out there that's looking now finding a good buyer's agent for an investor could be a challenge in its own right because a lot of times agents don't necessarily like to work with investors if that means them having to make multiple offers over and over and over again, knowing that they're low or knowing that they're unlikely to get them. And that's really what it takes as an investor. A lot of times is just to keep making offers. So finding the right one, not only that's willing to put the work in, but also can help you knowing the market and knowing the investing market, which is key because they'll help you with ARV and rent estimations and all that good stuff. So It sounds like you learned a lot by being a buyer's agent for investors. That's what seems like introduced you to the whole game. What, I guess, when you found yourself in Memphis, starting over, you're in this new city. I imagine you don't really know too many people. At this point, I don't know where you guys are in your family, if you have a job at this point, but what spurred you or what gave you the confidence, I guess, to go out and start investing in real estate and buying your first property?
0: Well, at first I thought I knew everything because I was a real estate agent and worked with investors who did flips and I found them good deals. So I knew what a good deal looked like. I understood rehab costs and I knew how much properties would cost to fix up. My husband and I, before we moved here, we fixed up the house we lived in, which was my husband's grandpa's house. And we fixed up other houses since we've moved here. Well, we do all our own rehabs. Plus we've done a few other people's houses as well. But before even that, we understood rehab costs. I've been around it my whole life. I understood buying, selling. I knew how to negotiate. So I thought I got this, right? So I said, well, who am I going to use? I still need an agent because I'm not licensed out here. So I, I can't go open the doors, and write my own contracts. So I didn't knew, I, you're right. I knew nobody, I, we didn't know a single soul. So the listing agent who sold me my house here, my primary residence, I remembered, I don't even know how I heard that they owned rentals. Maybe my agent told me, I'm not sure. But I knew that they owned rental properties so a couple years later when we're ready to buy rental properties I called up the listing agent who listed my house she didn't even really know me and I said hey I don't know if you remember me but you're the listing agent for this house that I bought over here and she's like oh yeah I remember that house whatever and I was like well I remember hearing that you own rental properties and I was wondering if you would help me get my first rental property she's like well actually my husband does that I take care of the residential side of real estate just like buying for regular homeowners. And I said, oh, okay, great. So you put me in contact with him. And he was just like how I am now love to talk about real estate, love to share all the money that he's made love to share how it's changed his life. Love to share how just one property can make all the difference in the quality of your life now and in the future. And he was loving it just wanted to help me. So he became my mentor and without him for helping me through our first two properties, I probably wouldn't have pulled the trigger and done anything, even though I thought I knew it all. We would go to a property, he show us inside and I knew nothing about the area. And to me, every property in Memphis looked the same. You could spin me around a circle. You do have to spin me around. I didn't know where I was ever because all the houses looked the same they were all brick houses or they had white siding and they just literally all looked the same. Like I could tell more expensive neighborhoods, but that's it, I'm not kidding. They all looked the same and it took me a year to figure out where I was around town because all the houses looked, I couldn't tell. The neighborhoods were all the same. It's just crazy to me, unlike California where you definitely know the difference in the neighborhoods because, well, they're all planned developments and they all have their own theme. So anyways, I'm also bad with directions, that's just a side side note. (laughs)
1: There's, there's there's apps for that now, so there, yeah. There's
0: know. I know. Oh my God! I tell you, you We
1: finally it. do have smartphones. They can just get you where you need to go.
0: Our zoo is like twenty minutes away. I've been here eight years. I still map to the zoo. Okay, <laughs> I do know how to get there. And I was like, can I test myself and see can I get to the zoo on my own? Yeah, I'm not that stupid. I could do. It,
1: but... Nobody's judging. Just I know. It.
0: I know. I know. Right. So anyway, so he helps me through my first couple deals, and the part that he helps me with is saying, "Look, Casey." This is a good deal. Stop nickel and diming the seller over $2,000. Like, I'm like, but that's a lot of money. He's like, it's not a lot of money. $2,000 is not a lot of money in the scheme of things. And if you lose this good property over $2,000, you'll never forget this, that you lost this deal over two grand. He said, so just suck it up. Let the seller win the two grand and buy the property. This is a good cash flowing deal. Houses will appreciate here. And it's said, all right, so I bought it. And it's like, if I hadn't taken the plunge, you don't buy properties or you don't move forward in life because you're afraid because what are you afraid of? You're afraid of failure. And the only reason why you're afraid of failure is because you're afraid you don't know all the answers. So I didn't know all the answers and I was afraid to pull the trigger. So he helped push me through my fears and gave me the confidence that I needed to say, all right, this is a good deal. He said, that's a good deal. All right, I'm going to do it. And so he did that. He drove me around through all of his houses, showed me the neighborhoods, told me how much everything was renting for, and then also bragged about how he bought the same house for 40,000 a few years ago. And now they're 70, and the rents were still the same. So he makes like a gajillion dollars on each house. But anyway, so I will say having a mentor help guide me through my first couple of deals was very important. Gave me the confidence that I lacked in the area of rentals because I understood investment. I understood everything about real estate. I could do contracts, but. I didn't understand the rental market and I was afraid, well, what if this house doesn't rent for what I think it's going to rent for, what if I'm estimating it wrong and now I'm screwed for my hour long until I can sell the property and get my money back because I made a mistake. I don't want to make mistakes. And I feel like it's so crucial for your first deal to get it right. And I see so many properties, like when I'm looking for ones to buy, I try and ask the seller, why are you selling? And it's so funny because sometimes you'll know that these are good rental properties and that they're investors that are selling them. And they say, oh, well, I've had to evict a tenant. And so I'm over this because they didn't do it right. They didn't learn what they needed to learn. They put in bad tenants and it just totally like ruined their whole dream of rental properties. And they just want to get out now. So I didn't want that for my first one. I wanted to make sure that I did it the right way. So I'm so glad that I reached out to them and and they helped me.
1: Awesome. That's cool. I mean, I I appreciate so much on the podcast about networking and getting out and, you basically just said was when you're in this new city in this new place you know the first thing you did when you wanted to start getting into real estate you started making calls you called your agent that led to the referral of her husband who's already into real estate investing and what does he do he's more than happy to help you i mean that's the way the community works and that's why i uh, say it so much to people that are trying to get started it's just get out and go to local real estate meetups there's going to be real estate agents there there's going to be other investors there there's going to be wholesalers there's going to be hard money lenders You don't have to go buy anything. There's nothing for sale. They're not pitching you anything. You just go talk to people, ask questions. And it does a couple of things. Number one, it brings you into the right circles, So there's opportunity bound to happen. But number two, you start to learn a lot more because you're actually talking real estate and becomes more comfortable to you and and becomes more natural to you. And I think it's so critical. Everybody talks about taking action and those first steps. Really just doing that is probably one of the most critical things that somebody can do because Once you get started, it just makes things a little bit easier. And when you start to have those networks of people of other investors, you actually had a mentor, which is even better if you can find one of those, but if not, even if you don't find somebody there that you're actually going to partner on a deal with just being in that network and having them as like your friends or whatever, and talking real estate with them, if you're apprehensive about a deal or you're looking at a property and you're maybe not so sure of it, now you've got people that you can bounce the stuff off of help you and make you either feel better about it, or maybe they'll point something out that you weren't thinking about. And all that stuff is critical, not just to be successful as a real estate agent, but also just to give us confidence. I know myself, when I work with my partners, it makes it easier to make decisions on things because they either agree with you and they see it the same way you do, or maybe they'll interject something of their own perspective. But either way, when you come to the decision, it's a group decision. And I think that just helps give everybody a little bit of confidence.
0: I've got a little tip out there on that same line of thought. For everyone that's listening that has not joined any investor group or doesn't have a network, you can go to nationalrea.org, and you can find a local real estate investor chapter near you, or I would recommend near where you want to invest. So if you live in California, I mean, I wouldn't really recommend joining one in California. If if you want to invest in Indiana, I would go join one over there. And the benefits of that are just immense. I mean, yes, every chapter is different and yeah, they cost money to join, but they're not very expensive, at least mine's not. I mean, it's 200 a year, but it's way worth it. Everyone that loves real estate are in those groups, everyone you'll need. There are property managers in those groups. There are wholesalers in those groups. There are investors in those groups. There are investor friendly real estate agents in those groups. All the good connections that you need are there. And once you get to know them is when you'll make connections. That's when you can find those off market deals. That's when you can get the hookups or first dibs on that amazing contractor, because he's always too busy for everyone, but if you get to know him, he'll can make time for you. So joining one of those groups is an amazing way to get started. And you know, one thing that I didn't know when I first joined was that you don't have to already be an investor to join. You can be, Brand new newbie aspiring investor with zero properties. You don't even have to own your own house. You can own no properties and go join an investor group. I really didn't know that. I thought, oh, well, I'm going to have to, I'm not an investor. I can't join an investor group. False, fake news. Go out there. Those investors love, they love the new people that just want to soak up information. And let me tell you something else. Those old guys, like the old guys that are in those groups, all they want to do is tell you about their deals. All I want to do is tell you about their properties, tell you all the strategies they've used over the years and give you all sorts of tips and tricks and nuggets of gold. They just want to sit and talk to you for hours. So if you're looking for wisdom and you're looking for a group of like-minded people who share your same interests and are willing to talk with you, go join an investor group and you can find the local one at nationalria.org I'm not news. a professional spokesperson for them.
1: <laughs> Fake news. That's what I wanted to say it's so true i mean that's a great tip thank you for putting that out there I'll, I'll probably include that down in the show notes but however you find it honestly calling real estate agents is a good way to start the, most real estate agents even if they're not investors or working with investors they can usually point you in the right direction you, know, you can check out the invest reach out to people on there so a lot of great stuff there and I, I hope for our audience out there that message is coming through that that's a great place full of resources to help anyone get started in real estate the other thing that you mentioned before about the eight, your mentor, and I think this is pretty important too, is that not only was he guiding you and giving you the confidence, but like you said, him and people at real estate meetups in general, again, getting in the right circles, but they'll be able to help you with learn about that market. So you mentioned when you first got there, well, before you got there, I guess you thought you could buy a 5000 or $10,000 house. Yeah. You know, obviously the saying is true. If it looks too good to be true, most likely it is. So when you get there, it's not always maybe what it seems, because you got to be able to put a tenant in there and collect the rent and the more ongoing maintenance or issues you have to deal with, the less money you're going to make at the end of the day. And you also made a really good point about even if you improve your property, the surrounding area that you have no control over, that will have a direct effect on your profitability and your appreciation and all that good stuff. So but having that mentor, having somebody that you work with or in your network, even that can help guide you in that market and start to identify the areas of homes that have potential for appreciation or at least are gonna be stable tenants or be able to occupy easily and understand the rent spreads. Realize how much you're gonna pay for something versus how much you can feasibly rent it for. And at the end of the day, that's what's gonna give you the cash flow. And that's why most people go after investing. And so like all of that stuff that you just said, I think is almost like a playbook for people out there listening of really the processes that are important to go through in order to set yourself up to get started and then also be successful. So a lot of really good stuff there, but now tell me about yourself and you guys with real estate investing now, like what are you up to as far as doors? Are you just doing single family, multifamily, like what's your portfolio looking like these days?
0: So we just do single family and we didn't get anything last year because of the economy. I wasn't sure who the president was going to be and the direction of our what country was going to take. So that coupled with was doing a lot of coaching with my coaching program that I have for aspiring real estate investors, taking up a lot of my time. So I just said, and my kids were home. All day long. <laughs> so I said, All right, I'm just going to hold off on buying something this year. So we have five single families. Well, we own six properties, five that we rent out good cash flowing properties. I don't, to me, it's not the number of houses that is impressive. It's the amount of cash flow. And each one of our properties Absolutely. will cash flow. Yeah, will cash flow at least $400 a month, each one, some of them over 500, a couple of them over 500 a month in our pockets. So to me, that's worth it. And we've also been looking into, well, how can we better our life? What do we want out of life? And well, I'd like a vacation home. So we've been looking into buying a lake home in Arkansas, which is just three to four hours away and buying that as an investment and renting it out Airbnb, but then also getting to use it a little bit of the year. So we've been looking into buying those. Only thing is I'm a bit picky now and I really want a lake home and those are expensive more than my house costs that I live in. So if we go through with that, that will be the purchase we have for a while because those will three to 500,000. So we're working on that. And if we don't find anything or whatever, there's a lot of rules and regulations that are being imposed throughout the country in different cities about Airbnbs and there's licensing fees now and you have to have a business license. So there's some issues in the area we're wanting to buy in that are just now starting and there might be a, a moratorium on passing out business licenses until the end of the year. So if we don't find anything in the next couple of weeks, then we're just going to have to wait because I'm not going to buy a house and then have to hold it for six months and pay the mortgage on it because I can't rent it out until I get my business license. So that might put on hold. And if if we can't buy anything there, then we might just go buy some single families around here. But again, prices have gone up significantly and where Memphis is still a really good area to invest. I'm still like, well, I bought that house on the street for 90,000. Now you're telling me it's 200? No. (laughs) So I'm still in that mindset, which is terrible. So I've learned a lot of different markets from working with my students. And some other states are very appealing to me um, right now. And even Northern Mississippi, which is just 15, we're really close to the border. Uh, So 15 minutes away, I'm in Mississippi and 30 minutes I'm in Arkansas. It's cool. And a couple hours I'm in Missouri. I mean, when I lived in California, and you're forever from any other state. Yeah. Well, time. that's cool that yeah.
1: you're central to yeah. a lot of different markets. Yeah,
0: we are. But there's some really good low-crime areas that I'm considering for single-family properties in northern Mississippi. So I've also been in touch with a lot of wholesalers. We've made a few all-cash offers on properties, even in my own neighborhood. Um, and that's the other thing, too. There's We live in a neighborhood now where the older people are moving out. They're going to retirement homes, and they bought their houses new in the 60s, and now they're leaving. So there are three houses that I know that are going up for sale. And I was like, they would make amazing rentals. I hate to buy your rental in your own neighborhood, but oh my gosh, I mean, I would make a thousand dollars a month cash flow. I'm not even kidding. But they're literally on my street and on my best friend's street. So I just having a hard time swallowing the fact that I might know my tenants. So those properties are probably going to be out and I will not be having fire pits in the front yard um, with my Trulies in the summertime with my tenants. Like that's not gonna happen.
1: So you guys, you are you're self managing that.
0: Yes, yeah, we manage our own for sure. It's so uh, I to say it's so easy, but when you put good tenants in place and you have good practices and you get through the humps that comes with doing it the first time, it's really runs on autopilot. It's easy, and I don't have any problems. My husband does all the maintenance work. We have picked up this guy named Chuck. He's like our handyman. We've sent him out to do a couple little things because it's like woohoo! Like now that we cash flow from our properties, we feel a little rich, and we're like yeah. Now we can send some guy to go fix that leak. You know, <laughs> we'll have to have plate go. So it's kind of neat. I will say the cool thing about real estate and rental properties is that this mode of investing, this is not putting money away in your IRA. This is not putting money and saving it in stocks or your 401k where you don't get to see any returns until you retire. This is immediate gratification. You guys immediate gratification plus long-term wealth and benefits as well. So yeah, I am investing my twenty or thirty thousand dollars of my hard-earned money and do a down payment on a property. I'm not losing the money. It's still there. Not only that, my tenants are paying for everything, right? Or otherwise you wouldn't make any money. They pay for it all. Plus, I get four to five hundred bucks in my hand every month to go do my hair and get my nails done, which I do neither of those things, but My point is that you get instant gratification. You get to see your reward right away. You get to have cash in hand every single month. And what we do with that cash is we save it into a bank account. All the repairs are paid from that cash flow and all of that. And when we have a significant amount, we'll go buy another property. So it's great if you guys are thinking about investing in rentals. It really is the way to go because it's, you know, immediate gratification of I get money now and you get money in the future. I mean, it's just a win all the way around.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And like you said, the balance sheet side of things, you're talking about the cash flow and the fact that they're paying all the bills and paying the mortgage down and putting some money into your account every month. But your net worth, you just mentioned how you were buying these houses for 90, now they're 200. That's that whole appreciation play on top of the principal pay down that you're getting by the tenant paying the mortgage each month, that principal pay down. Well, now that's not always going to happen necessarily. The real estate market cycles, and we're in different cycles right now. And in every. Individual market has its own cycle as well, depending on many different factors. But if you do catch the cycle at the right time or if you're in that right buying opportunity and then things appreciate heavily like they have over the past year, you get that big equity kicker. And that's a big deal. Like that's really where the difference starts to come in from building wealth, like you say, brick by brick. So
0: exactly. um, That's definitely
1: it. A lot of good stuff there. And I like also it's coming full circle with what you're pointing out about not necessarily buying the cheapest houses that you can buy, but buying a nicer home, not necessarily high end, but just a stable home that you can improve maybe or fix up and get rent ready. But that is a person managing your properties yourself. not it, it does a lot of things. Not only does it allow you to put a higher quality tenant in place because it's somebody that wants a nice place to live. Usually they're going to be more, usually be a higher paying or more stable financially. That's going to allow you to not have to worry about chasing after them for rent all the time. But then on top of all that, you have less maintenance issues to worry about as a whole. Now there's still maintenance, obviously, but if you've got a decent property and you put a little bit of money into it and you put the money in the right places, that's really going to save you money and time and headaches in the long run, which sounds like to bring it all back, like I said earlier, that's where you've gotten to now. you took some, learned some lessons along the way, but now you've got your nice performing portfolio cash flowing it's not a lot of headache for you guys it's not a lot of work it's not a lot of stress And now you guys can go look at some other options whether that's a vacation home that you can airbnb and then use when you want or buy, continue to buy exactly a, it's, it's amazing
0: that. because we only started buying in 2016 or 17 something like that i think 2016. and our tenants the loan pay down is just quick because these properties are not very expensive well the cheapest property we ever bought was i might be 68 or something like that and the most expensive one was 120 and that was in 2019, because like I said, we didn't buy anything last year and we're trying to buy a lake house this year. So we'll see how that goes. But the money that is made every single month is crazy. And the fact that on most of my houses, I feel like now I only owe like around $40,000, except for the most recent property, I own on that one. So it's like we could just pay those off and have $70,000 a year coming in. Yeah. cash flow. <laughs>
1: no, I mean, that's so it's
0: like, what? Oh, with five houses? It's like, yeah. So am I in a rush to like, I've got a scale, 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 burr, 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 all the way to the top. Like, no, like I don't want to do that. I am a safe investor. I want to buy one property at a time. This wasn't a crazy world. We would have had our 10 houses already, but I backed off last year. And this year now we're trying to buy something really expensive. So Just slow and steady is the risk. Don't got to get caught up on the excitement of everyone's got to scale, scale, scale to their way to the top. And I have to own a zillion properties. Like over-leveraging is just not always the smartest way to go. And it's risky, especially if you're older. I mean, I'm 38 years old. And so for the 20 year olds that want to go do that, great. But if you're in your thirties and forties and you feel like you're going to be nearing retirement age or wanting to think about other alternative methods of passive income, so you don't have to work till you're 75 then you have to make safe bets, safe investments. And that's just one property at a time. Like I say, brick by brick, you'll generate wealth and it will be good quality properties that you can keep forever, that you can still be collecting income in retirement because they won't be headache properties. You don't always want to just refinance and buy an apartment complex. So those are a lot of work. Apartment complexes are work, they're jobs and. You have to sell them every 10 years because you're getting a commercial loan. You're not getting a 30-year loan on an apartment complex. You're getting a five or 10-year loan that you have to, with a balloon payment at the end, so you better time that just right with the market because you're either going to have to, they either won't refinance you or do another loan, so you'll have to either pay them out, and what if your property's not worth it at the time, or sell? So I'm not a big fan of all those apartments, and I think that coronavirus lockdowns, all these things, people don't want to live in an apartment. They want a yard they want a house they work from home now and they need more rooms so i love single families it's super safe they're always be in demand and i just get one at a time one or two a year and that's what i recommend to my students to do also it's, it's not a race and don't feel like you got to keep up with the joneses
1: and that's the cool thing about real estate too is that there's so many different methods and ways and everybody's got their style and their approach their risk levels that they're comfortable with the multifamily, it's a different game as opposed to single family. There's different metrics and different things that go into it that you can use to your benefit, but then as well their own set of risks that come with it as well. And any type of investing you want to do, you want to make sure you educate yourself and you're aware as much of this stuff as possible. But you were talking about slow and steady too, I think is is important because as you mentioned before, you you get that instant gratification. As soon as you buy a rental property and it's cash flowing, you're going to start realizing the benefits and that gets you that taste and really get you motivated and get you moving on Usually to more, but it is a longer term play, but it doesn't take that long either. Like you said, a few years go by and you already realize how much the principal pay down on your loans are. You've gotten the equity kicker because of appreciation on top of all that. But now that gives you options. You guys could, like you said, push all the cash flow to the mortgages so that you're basically debt free on the properties or you could refinance them if you wanted to, pull a little bit of money out. You don't have to over-leverage, but you could get a balance of of leverage in there, then take that cash and go buy another property if you wanted to. The point is, is that once you get started and as you're going through this process, you don't really realize it, but you're building all of these benefits. And a lot of that has to do with, again, the balance sheet side of things over time that are going to give you options to do so much more. That's what I was talking about before about where the wealth really starts to kick in and make a difference. It's all on the balance sheet, more so than necessarily just the profit and loss or your cash flow. But anyways, a lot of great stuff there. Casey, now it's time for our segment, Advice from our Invest Guest. So it's going to be three questions I ask our guest each week, and we're going to kick it off with question number one. What is one thing you can recommend to our listeners out there that maybe have not started investing yet that they could get up and go out and do right now to help get them on their way?
0: the first thing I would say, and I say this to every single person is, have you talked to a loan officer? Because you might want to invest in all sorts of things. You might have these grandiose, wonderful, just amazing ideas, but you are limited by what you're capable of. And yeah, there's other ways, but first let's find out what you're capable of now. What can you get now? So I would say the first thing, if you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to You're on Instagram, you're following real estate investors, all those things, but you don't know where you stand financially. Well, you're putting yourself behind a lot of people because you might go talk to a loan officer, get pre-qualified, just a talk over the phone, not giving any documents or anything or running credit and finding out that, oh, your debt to income ratio is too high because you bought that car. So now you know that if you want to qualify for $200,000 that you have to pay down some debt or your credit score is too bad and you need to work on your credit score. Those are things you can be working on right now. Let's say you're not ready to buy anything until the end of the year. You can work on those things right now to get yourself ready for the end of the year to buy something. So if you're thinking about buying something, but you don't know where you stand financially, you need to pick up a phone and talk to a loan officer.
1: Absolutely. And that's a great point because... I think some people get afraid of doing that because they're afraid of what they're going to hear, but what it does is it arms you with information, because whether you're going to get qualified or you're not going to get qualified, but they're going to be able to tell you if you're not qualified, what you need to do, what you need to work on. And that's what you
0: ask. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's a good self-check. So I think the principle of what what your advice is here is to start with like looking at yourself and doing a self-check just to see where you stand, not to see if you live up to the standard or anything like that, but just find out where you are with things so that you know what to work on or where you need to improve or what have you. You also mentioned there are other options. There's definitely, that's another thing about real estate that I think people get so inspired by is that you can get creative with financing. And there's nothing wrong with that if you do it in a safe way, and a smart way. But if you don't necessarily need to rely on that also, you might not have to, but you're not going to know that if you don't start with getting a pre-qualification or finding out where you stand as far as a loan. So great advice. Question number two, looking back, What's one thing that you might do differently if you were to start back over again?
0: Wow, if I were to start back over, the things that I do regret not having done is buying those rental properties in Fontana in California back in 2010. When I was a real estate agent, like I said, my husband and I were wanting to buy rental properties, but California didn't make sense. So I drove, we drove far out to find some places and there were properties in Fontana that were 165 thousand, 170 thousand dollars, 145 thousand dollars. They're worth 450 today, but then they weren't. And I did the math at the time, and I would have made money. I would have cash flowed. And it was so funny because I totally forgot we even made all those offers until I went through an old box in the attic not too long ago, and I found at least 30 to 40 offers. 30 to 40 offers that I wrote for Blake and I to buy properties at, but we had countered on some, but never went through. We could have totally gone through on some of those. Why didn't we? Because we were scared. We were afraid to take a risk because that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money down, especially when you're in your 20s. It might be most all that you have. So I would say, especially if you're young, just take the risk, just do it. When you get older, you'll make a lot more money and you will look back and say, wow, that $20,000 is nothing, that's nothing. So it might be a lot now, a thousand might be a lot now, but in the future, in the scheme of things, it's not a lot of money. So take the risk. It feels good to you. And the numbers look right. The only way that you'll ever progress in your life is to get out of your comfort zone and do something different and take a little bit of risk. So I wish I would have just taken the risk and just done it.
1: Yeah. And I think that's really what goes back to why a lot of people don't get started or have a hard time getting started. People find when we do it naturally, we find reasons why not to do something. We find what's wrong with it. And we overlook, even if, like you said, you ran the numbers on it, you knew they were good deals, for some reason, unless in our mind it's like 100% perfect, you shouldn't do it. That's usually what prevents people from getting started, but none of them are ever going to be perfect. They're going to come with its own unique set of challenges. There's nothing that's just going to go completely smooth, but if you take on that challenge and you get out and you just start doing it, like you are saying now, you fast forward to where you are, you wish you had bought those back then. So yeah, good stuff, another great answer. Okay, I could question. have
0: been a multimillionaire had yeah, I, now yeah, yeah. if I would have bought
1: that. You know, that's a common theme <sighs> that comes through with that question is people just basically saying they wish that they had gotten started sooner. So everybody out there that's listening that hasn't started, I hope that that's registering with you guys that everybody that's already doing it is only regret, most of them, biggest regret is just not starting sooner. So, okay, question number three, do you have a book recommendation for us or maybe new investors that they could read to gain some insight into real estate investing and or what it is that you do within real estate investing
0: so i will confess i never read a book in my life about real estate investing well except for the textbooks to study for my license never read a real estate book in my life i knew about bigger pockets back then i don't even think it was i mean they're not that old but i never read maybe read a couple blog posts Never read a book. I have bought some of the bigger pockets books, but they still sit in my bookshelf unopened. I already know all this stuff. Not all the stuff. There's always more to learn, but I just don't. So I have another type of book recommendation that I would like to present. This might be a little weird to some people, but this will apply to every single person in the whole world. And this book is called the power of your subconscious mind. And it's by Joseph Murphy. And I've listened to it on audiobook. I don't have time to read because I only have time to myself in the dark at nighttime. So I have to listen to it because my husband will kill me if there's a light on while he's trying to sleep. So I listened to this book and I can't recommend it enough. And guess what, guys? On Amazon, the Kindle version is I think 15 cents. So no excuses. This book will change your life, flat out, change your life. I don't care if you're religious, you're not a religious, I don't care what you've got going on in your life. But if you are looking to better yourself, which we all are, then you owe it to yourself to read this book, The Power of Your Subconscious Mind. It's got a blue cover. It's 15 cents for the Kindle version. I highly recommend it. Go read it.
1: Awesome. Very cool. And I'm with you too. I'm not as much of a book reader. So I like to listen to audiobooks. But great recommendation. I'm gonna throw a curveball out there. I've got a question for our guest this week. An additional add-on question. We're gonna let you ask the host a question. So ask me any question that you want about real estate, preferably real estate, but it can be anything to be honest with you.
0: I wanna know what is the biggest reason why you do this podcast?
1: Well, there's a lot of reasons why I do the podcast. There's a lot of benefits that come with doing the podcast. The thing that I like the most about doing the podcast is that I get to not only network with so many different investors that are already doing it, but I get to hear their perspective on things as to why they do it, what their reasons are, it's interesting to see the different perspectives that everybody has and the different approaches that everybody has. And I guess from the outside, looking in or a person that gets to ask the questions, I get to see it from so many different angles. But it ends up painting a broader picture for myself and opens my mind up to a lot of different things that maybe I don't consider otherwise. So I think that's probably the part that I enjoy the most and getting to to speak with great guests and other investors like yourself. But the networking that comes with it, but really just seeing the different approach people take and the reasons why they do what they do. It's really insightful for myself. So I get a lot out of it.
0: Everyone's got their own opinions, don't they?
1: That's right. Great question too, by the way. I put you on the spot there and you you recovered quickly. So very cool. Very cool. Well, Casey, this has been a lot of fun. Before I let you go, Can you let our audience know how they can connect with you or find out more about you and what you're doing? And I know you do a lot of training and you Mm -hmm. offer a lot of information to people out there that are trying to learn more about this stuff. Where can people connect with you and find out more?
0: Sure. So you can always find me on Instagram. at @brickbybrickwealth On my website too, it's brickbybrickwealth.com. And you can find it my bio link or even on my website. I have a free seven day email course, and it's geared towards aspiring real estate investors if you're thinking about rental properties, you're not sure like what all entails, or if that's for you, it's a great intro to rental properties. It shows you all the benefits that you get from rentals. It will teach you the formula for finding your fine number to find out how many rentals you need to own before you can reach retirement or have that number in mind that you need to live off of. So I would highly recommend going to that. get a lot of good feedback on that. And then if you're ready to take the plunge, you have your down payment saved and you're just scared cause you know nothing. I have a really amazing one-on-one coaching and course program. So you can DM me for details and pricing on that.
1: Awesome. I hope everybody caught that all of our nesters out there. They're just getting started. Casey is offering a free seven day course. I'll include those links in the show notes below so everybody can easily get a hold of Casey and find out more about that course and hopefully go sign up. So go check it out. You guys, Casey is doing some awesome things. Her Instagram page is great. She shares a lot of information for free there as well. And then on her website, you can find her training and courses, but uh, definitely go take advantage of that free seven day course. And again, I'll have those links down in the show notes below. Casey, this has been awesome. I really liked hearing your perspective of real estate investing and your story and what it is you guys do. So thank you so much for coming on with me today, and I wish you and your husband and your family the best of luck in 2021 and beyond.
0: Thank you, Travis. It was my pleasure.
1: And I also want to thank, as always, all of you listeners out there for tuning in again this week. I really do appreciate it. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Casey as much as I did. That was a ton of fun. Casey is a ball of energy and super enthusiastic, which is just awesome but go check her out on Instagram and check out her webpage. She is doing a lot of great things with real estate investing, and she's sharing all of that stuff on her platforms. And uh, not only that, but she's also offering support and help to anyone that's looking for that. So go take advantage of what Casey's offering. And again, I'll have those links down in the show notes below. All right, everyone. I want to thank you all for tuning in. I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. As always, I'm your host, Travis Murphy, and we'll see you next time on the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. Thank you for joining us on the InvestNest Real Estate Investing Show. Be sure to join the investnest.com and start learning and earning today.